Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Wednesday, September 11th, 2019, and today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are at page 53, down at the fourth paragraph at the bottom of the page, starting with, that was natural, but let us think a little more closely, focusing on that one paragraph only. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, Pam M., Janice B., Leon B., Esther S., Kathy G. S. The reference numbers for yesterday's meetings, Tuesday, September 10th, 7 a.m. Eastern meeting, 13,377. That's 13377. For the 10 a.m. Eastern, 13379, that's 13,379. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Esther S. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Esther. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except one to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther. I will now ask for Kathy G.S. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Kathy. 
Thanks, Amy. This is Kathy G.S., compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic in Georgia. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group's conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we, we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thanks for letting me be of service, and I pass. Thank you, Kathy. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And if you could avoid speaking on speakerphone, that would be great. Today, we resume our study in the big book. We are on page 53 down at the bottom of that page, the fourth paragraph, starting with that was natural. And I am now going to ask for Pam M. to get us started. Go ahead, Pam. Blessed morning, everyone. Pam M. from upstate New York. That was natural, but let us think a little more closely. Without knowing it, we had not been, had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith? For did we not believe in our own reasoning? Did we not have confidence in our ability to think? What was that but a sort of faith? Yes. We had been faithful, objectively faithful to the God of reason. So in one way or another, we discovered that faith 
had been involved all the time. Yeah, so what stands out for me is faith had been involved all the time. I did have faith before coming to vision. I had faith I would fail. I had faith I'd be fat. I had faith that if I lost weight, I'd gain it back. I had faith God wouldn't help me. I believed strongly that I was a bad person and needed to be punished. My faith was in a God that demanded I be perfect. My faith told me that since I kept messing up, God was going to get me. And since the people around me weren't perfect either, God was going to get them too. And because I was so spiritually sick, my disease told me that since everyone around me was sick, I had to fix them so we'd all be okay. And it caused a lot of problems doing that. So this unreasonableness was natural while I was in my food. And since coming to program, I have been able to heal my wounds from the spiritual sickness that I attained from spiritually sick people running by church at, in my childhood. Um, and I have learned to redefine my higher power as a loving and kind God that not only is looking out for me, but lives inside of me. And now I have faith that I will not fail. I have faith that I will not be fat. I have faith that if I lose weight, I will not gain it back. I have faith that God will help me. I have faith that I don't have to be perfect for God to love me. I have faith that the people around me don't have to be perfect either for God to love them. And I have faith in those people. I don't have to fix them. So I'm very blessed today, recovered, one day at a time. And that's all I have to say. Namaste. The divine in me honors the divine in you. Thank you. I pass. Amy G, are you there? Thank you, Pam. Thank you very much for your share. Um, we are now open for taking uh, other shares. Uh, if you haven't um, spoken up in the last couple of days, we'd like to hear from you first, please. What's the page we're on? We're on page 54, Sandra 53, L. last paragraph. Sandra L. Okay. Lisa no, Sandra B. S. Oh, Sandra S. Lisa yes. B. Loretta H. Loretta H. Yes. Barbara P. Barbara P. We'll take a couple more.
is Larry. Larry K. Going once, going twice. Anybody else? All right. We'll go with that group. Stand Laura up. S. All right, well, Laura, I'll throw you in there. Okay, so here we've got Sandra S., Lisa B., Loretta H., Barbara P., Larry K., Laura S. All right, Sandra, you are up. Please go ahead. Good morning to all of my fellows. I'm Sandra S. from Oklahoma, and thank you this morning for being here. A vision of a share has definitely it changes my life every day. I'm grateful. I just wanted to say that <clears throat> what got me, what interested me the most on this particular reading, this particular paragraph, was <clears throat> for we did we not believe in our own reasoning. When I came to OA, before I even got to OA, I was so sure that I had everything figured out. I knew uh, everything that I was supposed to know, needed to know, in order to uh, go through life. But yet, I was still not there with the uh, reasoning and letting God have the place in my life the supreme number one spot in my life with my thinking. I thought because I was and am considered an intelligent individual that I just had it together and I knew and everything was just uh, a-okay with the exception of the compulsive overeating, which every day I was killing myself. And I was, I was, just stumped because I could not understand what it was that I was not doing, what I did not know, and I tried everything, every diet, every everything. And I used to investigate homicide cases, and uh, I remember one morning headed for worship and deciding I don't have to go and do this. I know what I'm doing. I don't need any power. I've got the power. I know how this goes. Why do I have to go and worship? Why do I need God? And um, when I think back over that, it is just absolutely shocking and amazing. And I am so grateful today that I have just let go and let God and allow him to give me the serenity that I need to accept what I cannot change. And uh, the courage, when he put courage in me, boy, he stood me up like a scarecrow on a stick. He would not let me fall down. And the courage to accept the things I cannot change, but most of all, the wisdom to have the faith in him and the wisdom to know to uh, the things that I cannot change, which I could not change me. I just can't do it. It takes him to do it. And so I just wanted to pass that on. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Sandra. Lisa B., followed by Loretta H. Go ahead, Lisa. Good morning, Amy. Thank you so much for your service and for everyone that's here this Wednesday morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and 
I spell my name L-E-S-A. Um, I wanted to share about, um, he's talking about, uh, in our. it says here, for did we not believe in our own reasoning? So I had no idea what it was, to, what it would feel like to truly be recovered. You know, I, I could never imagine. I've been in other fellowships for many, many years, and I've been in AA for many years. I put that substance down through God's grace. But I never really knew that it was possible to live a life free of this obsession with food. I thought, well, I need to eat every day. You mean you want me to be abstinent morning, noon, and night? Like, how do I do that? You know, I need to be able to eat, eat my food. How do I do it? And I just couldn't fathom it, you know. Um, getting recovered, it feels different than anything I ever imagined. And I, the only thing I could think of is like what Fred says and more about alcoholism. I have since been brought into a way of living infinitely more satisfying, um, more useful. And I had to trust that I don't know what it's going to be like, that, that there are people on this line that were able to put the food down, put their heroin down, as someone says, and get into these steps, get into this big book and experience a transformation and they're they're doing it happily. They're not white knuckling it. And now that's what's happened to me. I was living a third dimensional life, you know, a three dimensional life. Being recovered, I'm rocketed into the fourth dimension. I'm outside really of time and space, even though I'm still functioning here living on Earth. But everything is different. It's no longer the government of Lisa. You know, it's been a revolutionary change. It's God's government. And I I couldn't imagine that, so I just needed to be open-minded to believe that miracles do happen. I hear them on the line. I see them in my meetings, and it could happen for me. I needed to be open to the possibility that a miracle could happen for me. It's not magical. It's miraculous through action, 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 and I pass. Thank you so much, Lisa. Loretta H., followed by Barbara P. Go ahead, Loretta. Good morning. This is Loretta H., compulsive overeater, anorexic, grace with God's abstinence for today. And with God's grace today. Uh, surrender, uh, the acronym, seriously understanding real recovery entails debating not debating every reason. And uh, the reason I share that today is, um, you know, it talks about the God of reason. And uh, 18 years ago today, I was six months into my recovery. And um, I, uh, my industry also got with one of the airplanes that went into the World Trade Center. And I called my sponsor and I wanted to give blood. I wanted to find out who died. I wanted to, I wanted to. I, self-sufficiency, got me nowhere, got me into the disease. So the word I, and she said, no, 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 no. And she today, because she's helped me so much, she today has 45 years of recovery. Um, not her, This isn't her anniversary day, but as of June. And she said, the only thing you have to do today is stay abstinent. And it was the turning point, kind of like the Bill's turning point when he had a choice to go into the bar or uh, to make the telephone call. That was kind of my turning point. And I'm so grateful that I chose 
with my higher power, which actually was her at the time because I was an agnostic, to choose the recovery instead of choosing the disease. And because of that grace, and she told me that if I stayed abstinent that day, everything would be okay. And because of God's grace, her help and working in the steps, I had not had my spiritual awakening yet. Um, I had a spiritual experience because I was willing to give her the food six months earlier, which that was unheard of for me to let anybody um, have any uh, consideration of what I was going to eat. But I did let her do that, and she guided me with a food plan because she was a dietitian, but also in the steps. And with her direction, God's grace, um, I have recovery today uh, close to um, 18 and a half years. And my disease has been arrested one day at a time. And with this program, you're healing my um, grace that I'm given every day. I'm okay today. And that's what she said. If I stayed absent today or that day, I would be absent today. And with God's grace, I am. And it's because of this program, because of everybody that helps me. Thank you. God bless you today. Good morning. Thanks. This is Barbara. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, that's okay. Go ahead, Barbara. You're up. Yeah. No Hi. I was unmuting. This is Barbara P. in Atlanta. Good morning, everybody. Um, I really, I, I was seeing a lot in this paragraph, and I haven't in the past, but it's really challenging me to look at my faith in the God of reason. Um, because I really, like someone else says, I was the I know girl, and I always knew all. And I really believed what I thought I knew. Um, and and it was important to me, and I guess that was a way to control my world, but or so I thought. But, you know, I did have faith in that. I had faith in diets at times. But this faith in what I thought I knew, I mean, maybe one of the biggest transformations in me is today hearing myself go, I don't know. And and really almost laughing, like not being comfortable, being comfortable for the first time in I truly realize how much I don't know. And that's fine. I'm not supposed to. I Like I get it now. You know, this, I had to look up the word objectly, um, so objectly faithful, because it seems like they really called that out. Then the definition is utterly hopeless, miserable, humiliating. Like to the point of humiliation, thinking, I know, I have the way, and then challenging this way of God consciousness. I fought this part of the program for so long and challenged, well, prove it, show me, I can't see it, I can't feel it, I don't know how I'm going to get there. I want to have faith, but I don't know. And I think coming to accept, I don't know. And that's fine, but why not try it? Someone finally asked me or pointed out, if I don't try, I'll never know. What have I got to lose? And that was a really important question. What have I got to lose by believing there is a God? And you know what? Anytime I try and think, but I don't know or whatever, I just have to go back to that question. But I've got nothing to lose with putting my faith in a God and in these 12 steps. My God started with the 12 steps. 
was that I could put faith in that. I saw people recovering on this line. I heard it. I saw it. And um, that was something I could believe in. So I, I think I just had to stop fighting. This is about surrender, and it is about choice. I really do have a choice. Even the, the deepest atheist has a choice when it kind of comes to why not believe. Do I really have a good reason not to at least try it? I've got nothing to lose. And the reality is, okay, I'll lose a couple of months of my time going through these steps. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I haven't really lost anything. It doesn't even cost anything. So anyway, for today, I'm just putting aside the questions. I'm kind of living happily in I don't know. I challenge it every day. I think I know, and then I have to swing back around. But um, bottom line is, God is showing me I don't know. There's a lot I don't know, and I, I wasn't supposed to. I can live very happily in that, in that, and let let this world show me what I'm supposed to see. Anyway, thanks. I hope that made some sense. Have a great day and a pass. Thank you, Barbara. Larry K., you're up, followed by Laura S. Go ahead, Larry. Larry, can't hear you. Press star one on mute. Larry K. Hey, Amy. Good morning. <laughs> Sorry about are. that. There I am. I'm somewhere. You know, um, step two, I, I think uh, when we when we look at did we not have confidence in our ability to think, certainly that was a sort of faith. You know, we, we were talking about the God of reason, and the big book reminds us about that. So faith had been involved all the time. You know, step two, um, my reason told me when I first came into program that when I get to step two, I'm going to have to have this resolved, this God thing resolved first before moving on. I'm going to absolutely have to have this all worked out, and I was wrong. My reason was not correct there. I did not have to have this figured out. In fact, most people do not have this figured out. You know, we get here as skeptics, and we get here as doubters. I I mean, why wouldn't we? I, I had nothing in my experiential evidence to suggest in my entire life to suggest that, that any higher power, God or whatever I would call it, would come to my aid with regard to food. But, there, but thank goodness there's a, a, you know, we're a big tent of OA recovery that skeptics and doubters are as welcome as anybody else to this, you know, among these nutty misfits uh, in OA, right? Because we, we need you. We need diversity of thought and the excitement and energy. We need the doubters and the skeptics. You know, there's no clicks, there's no secret handshakes, no no milkshakes, though, but no secret handshakes, no magic. You know, and I was a pragmatist, a rationalist, a free thinker. So, you know, I, the, but what I learned finally was that I can move on from step two. If there was just the, the, the glimmer, tiny possibility that I was open, that there might be something other than me that could restore me to some level of sanity, well, then I can move on to step three. And faith in a power greater than me, it never diminished my God-given intellect. It never placed a scarlet letter on my chest, you know, where, where I would be the shameful, you know, spiritual person and I would be rejected by family and friends. You know, it never did any of those things. All those possibilities that I feared that they were a certainty and the funny thing is, people respect 
human beings whose walk and talk are more aligned. And here's something else. When, when these steps begin to change you and you become more humble and self-sacrificing, that's pretty attractive. It's kind of sexy, pretty attractive, right? <laughs> they, people respect and marvel at God's handiwork. It's not our handiwork. It's God's handiwork. And sometimes the things that we can't change end up changing us. Time. And I thanks so much, Jamie. What, what I had to give up was fear. And I gave up fear and I cultivated faith through working the steps and then miracles happened with that. I passed. Thanks. Thanks so much, Larry. Laura S. You're up. Please Good go morning guys. I'm Laura S in Virginia recovering addic- uh, addicted to food, a compulsive overeater. Um, when I read that, uh, the, the end of the paragraph on page 54, uh, a word came to my just popped up and, and aggressively, and it's abjectly faithful to the God of reason. And for me, it's a real challenge. It's almost an insult because as much as I'm uh, not uh, responsible for what happened to me before my recovery and uh, um, and as much as I'm responsible for what um, I do in my recovery, uh, I've been raised uh, uh, worshipping the God of reason, you know, the Cartesian, Descartes, um, uh, reasoning and intelligence. And uh, I've been told that uh, Greek, ancient Greek and Latin authors were all we had. And uh, uh, we had to study, study, study. And that was the God of intelligence. And uh, for a while, it worked for me. Uh, I was uh, brilliant in my studies in, uh, in that regard. And uh, w- when I grew up in age and I was battling addiction, uh, you know, my, my governance was powerless. I was like a little queen who thought that she had all the uh, kingdom power and the glory was hers forever and ever. But it was not working. I was powerless. I was enraged by that. The others were not doing my way. And uh, yes, I was. I was. I was. I was gripping the, the the god of reason. I was standing by my my reason, and I was standing my ground. And Bill was a very intelligent and uh, educated man. And finally, he had to surrender a, with the help of AD and, and the, the Oxford group. So um, it's a constant challenge for me. Uh, I love uh, having faith in a power greater than myself. Finally, I surrender. But it's a daily battle. Sometimes the little queen comes back and says, uh-oh, the God of reason, the God of reason, you should do this, this, and that. And it's, it's a constant challenge and it's walking a thin line because uh, on page 85, it tells that uh, we, we have a brain and we shall use it to do the next right thing. It's page 85, 6, and 7 in the big book. And, uh, but first, we have to surrender. Thy will be done, not mine. And that's a constant challenge. But it works and that's I'm responsible for. I'm responsible for my recovery, so I'm responsible for my surrendering and for my faith in a power greater than myself. I'm not that power. Thank you for letting me share that. Thank you, Laura. Okay, 
So we are back to taking some shares. We're on page 53, the last paragraph, fourth paragraph, starting with that was natural. Who else would like to share on what was read? Wow, it's quiet out there. We have plenty of time. Jason K. Jason? Janice B. Janice. Pa- Pamela E. Pamela E. Cindy M. Cindy M. Pick one more. Natalie M. Natalie M. Okay, great. We have Jason K., Janice B., Pamela E., Cindy M., Natalie M. Go ahead, Jason. You're up. Good morning. This is Jason K., recovered from Holton Beater and Bulimic uh, outside of Philadelphia. And when I was a teenager, I picked up a Bible and I heard about a voice booming from the sky and I walked in contempt and threw it down. Uh, I don't know if I literally threw it down, but metaphorically, I kind of cast it aside aside and, and made a commitment God of reason and sense uh, that that was what I worshipped. And, you know, the, the big book also talks about hadn't we worshipped other things? And where do we turn our attention and our thoughts obsessively towards, uh, you know, money or people or, or um, sex or attention, um, worldly things, food, uh, release from food, release from food. We, we, we worship. We are worshippers. And reason for me was uh, you know, a big one, I believe, and if you couldn't prove it with science, uh, it, it, it wasn't so. But uh, this book is also talking about how we're crushed by a self-imposed crisis, how life as we're living it was untenable. And my God of reason and my life based on reason, you know, was very unsatisfactory. I couldn't really make a go of it. And I ended up, you know, in the food, constantly suicidal, um, just struggling with the bedevilment. And for me, that was untenable. For me, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't keep living like that. And some process of becoming open-minded started happening for me. And, you know, I like how Bill in this chapter is using reason uh, to say, uh, isn't faith reasonable? You know, look around you. Um, in In a couple paragraphs, he talks about the electrons themselves seem to have a certain innate intelligence. You know, can we see, use your reasoning mind to see that men of faith are demonstrating a certain usefulness, a certain um, certain um, happiness, a certain serenity. And it took me a long time to get there. It took me a long time. And, and, and the food, you know, being in the food, um, struggling with my own uh, alcoholic mind, the mind of a compulsive eater, uh, full of fear, uh, resentment, uh, isolation, you know, that that for me eventually just broke me. It eventually broke me to a point where I just, I couldn't go on. You know, you look at my life outwardly and I had a job, I had a place to live, but I was broken on the inside and and I just couldn't, I couldn't. And I had to become willing to go to any length and throw aside, you know, that last vestige of pride, that last, uh, that last part of me that said, I'm going to do this on my own. Uh, it, it just couldn't stand anymore, 
and so I turned, you know, turned really strongly towards the salt steps and became willing um, to go to any length. And for me, that that's where, um, you know, that last bit of pride connected to, you know, the, the reasoning mind, my rational mind, myself, this old idea, I'm going to done, you know, I'm going to get the weight off and uh, I'll wrap up here. Um, so, um, yeah, reason is good as far as it's went, but it doesn't go far enough and uh, that'll happen. Thank you, Jason. Janice B. followed by Pamela E. Go ahead, Janice. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B., Recovered Compulsible Reader. Grateful to be opening my mouth this morning. Okay, so this idea of reason and kind of an opposite idea of faith that 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 reason reason comes from my thinking my thinking trusting myself being self-reliant uh knowing that uh it was all up to me being super responsible and um and that's that's how i operated um pretty much all my life um and um i couldn't count on on anything else and it was really um my reasoning was um all fear based um and when i came to uh see that how I was operating was not working, was not getting me what I wanted in my life, that, you know, I likened myself to a walnut. Nothing got out and no one got in, you know. I had a hard, a hard shell, a hard protective shell around me. And, um, and I wanted to be a melon. <laughs> I wanted to be a melon. Um, so anyway, uh, so um, when I got to the point where, where I saw, no, this is, I've got, I, I need something else. And I, I heard um, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. That's what I wanted. And I had to, I had to have faith in the 12 steps. I had to have faith in in the people that I heard on the lines. And um and that faith was really kind of a decision. And um and I and faith and trust are related. Faith is you're standing on um you're just making the decision of um to do it a different way, to believe in something that you really don't believe in and you don't have any experience with it. That's, that's what faith is. And, and trust is an action, acting on that faith, acting on that decision. And, and, and what I decided to trust in was um, the 12 steps, Hi. to go through the 12 steps and love and um acting out of love and the more 
The more I trust and take action, the more my faith has grown. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Janice B., Pamela E., followed by Cindy M. Go ahead, Pamela. Hi, this is Pamela E. in California. Thank you so much, everyone, for being on the line this morning. Reason, reason, reason. Oh, wow. Uh, when I try to think through everything, when I try to power through everything and believe in uh, just using my intelligence and my experiences in life to keep powering through. And then yesterday was another day, and like Jim, my head was on the bar one more time, and I was like, why can't I go in the break room? It's like being in, having been in relapse, why can't I go in the break room? The break room is like a crack house, and yeah, just trying to power through it. And it's like I walk in there and get some coffee, and that's okay, and then see something and walk back in. And then I get some paper. I get a call from my attorney's office saying that something that I wanted and something that I had had wanted was going to happen and I'm just like in such fear that I don't even open the email and then finally I do it and I call a friend I call a friend who's in program and she said that every morning she wakes up and it's like RPM it's rise pee and meditate and God wakes me up at 345 this morning Pacific time and I put on I I wait 10 minutes and I dial you all and I'm waiting. It's like today I trust. Today I have faith in my higher power. Today I surrender and I don't need to power through by myself. I can make a call. I can listen to you all. I can participate and know that when I ask God for abstinence for this day, abstinence for every meal, abstinence for every bite, and emotional sobriety, that I don't have to do it alone. God has shown me throughout my life that he was there. He, she, it was there in moments. I was so fearful to share that I had had those white light experiences to be considered an oddity. But now I'm in a network with people, millions of people, no matter the disease that's in the 12-step programs that know that God is there and God can change me. Help me to change when I open that little space from the inside out. So today, I surrender to the program. I am willing to do my part. I surrender to my higher pro, pro to my higher power that the that the twelve steps help me get closer to. And I'm just like a newborn baby, just washed clean, my arms open, just praying and asking. And having faith that God can and will, putting reason aside, I don't have to figure it all out. I just have to go through the 24 hours. I love you all. Thank you for being there. Thank you so much. I love you all. Have a blessed day. Thank you, Pamela. Cindy M., followed by Natalie M. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Cindy M. from uh, Camp Hill, Pennsylvania, and 
Um, yeah, reason doesn't usually get me very far. I can spend a lot of time in my head going around and around in circles, trying to figure everything out, and I just keep doing that and doing that. And I found that since I really have grasped onto this program um, and I have uh, seen that, you know, I I have faith in a higher power, um, but I don't always believe that he's going to or it's going to come through for me. So I remember in the beginning, um, I would try really hard to stay abstinent, and then that food would tempt me, and I would um, not be able to resist it. And I remember somebody telling me, that's because you're trying. It's not you. You you need to stop trying. You need to rely on a power greater than yourself. And I could not understand that. What the heck does that mean? What does that even look like? And today I realize that what that looks like is that I have to believe I'm not going to die if I don't eat whatever that is. I have to believe and take action on on that statement that I'm going to be okay if I don't eat that and I don't need that to make me okay. But I have to do something different once I think that. I have to call somebody. I have to go for a walk. I have to turn away, which before I would turn toward because I didn't think I had a choice. I thought I had to do that because it was telling me. And I now today and for a long time now, I realized that I just have to agree with God that I that that is not a choice. That is not a choice. I do not have that choice. And so for today and hopefully forever, God has given me the strength to do that. And, you know, he has done so many things, given me power, given me grace to see other people um, the way they are instead of the way I think they should be to see myself the way I am instead of the way I think I should be. God is really just amazingly doing these things. And it's all, it's all, um, you know, things maybe I don't even recognize at the time. But as I look back, I see the hand in my life and know that, that a power greater than myself has been working and continues to work. And it's right there. So thank you for listening. I'm so glad we have this this um this program and this line. So I appreciate all your service. Have a great day. Bye bye. Thank you so much, Cindy. Natalie M, you are up. Good morning, everyone. This is Natalie. I'm from California. And um, when I came into this program, I felt close to God and was working the program until I started to feel the feelings and become more vulnerable because I had put the food down and, and I had to turn back to the food. And it wasn't until I started working the program the vision way with the big book and um, really committing to the tools and making this program a part of my life that then I still feel those growing pains, that, that being vulnerable because the food's down and life is what it is. People um, around me are doing what they do and I'm responding how I respond and there's pain there. 
And it's the reason, my reason tells me, okay, you can go back to the food or try on faith. And it's turning to God and trusting that these growing pains are going to lead me to a better place and help me to be of maximum service to my higher power and to others that allows me to continue forward. And it's just practice. It's like, I'm not getting that sudden light. I get to practice it day by day. I hope everyone has a great day. Thank you. Thank you so much, Natalie. I mean, Natalie, you're up. I'm sorry. That was Natalie. I beg your pardon. We have um, a few minutes for maybe two shares. Who would like to go ahead? Page uh, 53, last paragraph. Naomi B. Naomi? Vin C. Vina. Fran M. Uh, who was it? Lynn C., was it? Vinny T. Fran M. Okay, wait a sec here. I've got Naomi B., and then there was someone after Naomi. We'll probably only have room for about two shares. Is it Lynn? Somebody, Lynn? Vinny T. Lynn T. Okay. Vinny, I don't know if we're going to have time, but um, let's go ahead with uh, Naomi B. and Lynn T. And if we have time, I'll let you I'll go ahead, Vinny, but I'm not sure. Thank so you. please save it for the second so hour. Naomi, myself, <laughs> is, still Na- is this Naomi? I mean, yes, this Naomi. Is Na- <laughs> yes, this is Naomi V. Hi, good morning, family. Uh, grateful recovery compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Yes, we had been faithful. Wow, I just, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, all the miracles in my life because I turned to a God and it wasn't me. Wow, surprise, surprise, it wasn't me. I mean, I can remember over the years asking God for stuff, asking God for help and things. But you see, I was the God lowercase g for my food because I knew I knew what was best but when I started to exercise my faith muscle and follow the the steps and follow this program and be connected to other recovered people it just my life just blew up in a very positive way because I'm not leading the show anymore and that took talk about talk about losing weight. Holy crap! My the weight off my shoulders was immeasurable, absolutely immeasurable. And I don't have to do that anymore. I let my God go before me, whether I'm out on my God walks, or I'm going to work, or I'm dealing with my family situations. And it's nothing fancy. I just say the words. That's it. We don't have to have any big ceremonial type of situation or anything like that. It's just trust. It's trusting in a power bigger than you. And we have it. And this power is available. Just that we just have to ask. Thank you for allowing me to share. And I pass. Thank you so much, Naomi. So was it Lynn T? You're up. Lynn? 
press star one to unmute. I think maybe it was Fran, but I don't know. Maybe maybe there is a Lynn. Yeah, I don't. I might have missed you, mixed you up with Vinny. Uh, Vinny T. I know it was somebody T. Lynn T. So Vinny, There's if a... you're out there and you still want to share, Vinny, if you're out there, would you like to share? I might have gotten you mixed up. This is Vinny T. Am I being heard? Yes. Go ahead, Vinny. Oh, Shoot. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, I I realized as we're go, you know reading this paragraph that uh, you know my previous reliance on reason uh, made me feel that you know I was just a small insignificant single atom in this huge universe and it was so scary to be there. And, you know, now, um, you know, I have found that uh, I'm part of a whole, you know, that I'm, you know, none of us are insignificant. We all have meaning. Uh, We don't know what it is, but uh, it's very comforting to be part of something um, and uh, know that, uh, you know, there's really nothing that I have to be concerned about in that something. You know, I will... I will discover what my part is uh, as long as I'm open to that, you know, to being directed. Um, thank you very much. I passed. Thank you, Vinny T. Fran, we've got about a minute and a half if you'd like to chime in. Thanks. Yeah, it's Fran. Um, I just want to say again that um, I just get so much out of this chapter because it reminds me that when I first came in, I couldn't stop binging and starving and eating like a very weird, strange person from another planet and hating myself. And when I ceded all control to a power greater than myself, which for me was the people in the OA rooms who were abstinent, I was able to find people who actually were recovering and they weren't eating like they used to, although they did at one time eat just like I did. And that's all I needed. And, um, you know, as I've often said, my idea of God isn't someone who finds me a parking space because horrible things happen to people in life. And I don't want to be childlike and deny them. I just want to know that my concept of a higher power is I pray and wish and hope and strive to work the steps so that I have the strength to deal with anything that comes up, whether it's good or bad, and also to look at the solution, not the problem. In other words, that great section when we do our steps, how would a higher power have me be? So that always keeps me looking up. But it's not because good things happen in my life. In my life, good things will happen and bad things happen, like in everyone's life. I just always hope for the strength and the courage and the goodness and the wisdom to deal with it. And when my addiction is down, I have, a, I, ha, I have the only chance I have is when I'm not lost into obsessive compulsions. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Fran. And on that note, I'd like to thank everyone who shared. I'd like to thank you for service for our readers, Pam, Janice, Leon, Esther, Kathy. Um, Please join us for a second awesome unrecorded hour of study immediately following. The share ID for today, Wednesday, September 11, 2019, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 13,383. That's 13383. 
We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Janice B., would you go ahead and read that? Yes, thank you. Good morning, visionaries. Janice B., recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.